in our minds, renewing our minds, God, our mental thoughts, our hearts. Father, search our hearts this morning. Let us know if you find anything you want to you get rid of, Lord, that isn't going to last. Uh, anything you find that we can't take through the car wash, <laughs> Father, we, we don't even need it. We're not going to even pick it up on the other side. If we can't bring it into the cleansing room, what, what the heck do we need it for? Come on. Amen? Last week, we, we, uh, God ministered his word on how to defeat your fears and worries. So you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you were worrying this week or fearful? Do you hear what I mean? The bottom line is if you have and you're in relationship with God, you won't. I'm serious. If you trust him, no matter how bad it is, Jesus did right when he was on the cross. You you get it? So we want to continue to build that relationship. And last week uh, we saw we had a word at our um, elders leadership meeting that kind of came out here and was manifested. And so I've been pondering it all week. And I I don't think I've taught on this word in depth. I I did a deep word study research on this scripture. The scripture I'm going to be teaching from today is John. First uh, John, chapter 1, verse 20. I'm sorry, uh, James, James, I said John. James, James, chapter 1, verse 20. I'm going to read it. This is the King James Version I'm reading. For the wrath of man worketh not, the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. And the key verse here and our focus and our goal is this verse. Verse 22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So some of us heard the word last week, right, that God brought about defeating fears and not worrying. Everything, he gave us four points on how to do it, how to get there, yet some of us found ourselves challenged this week and we began to have fears come in and worrying. Has your worry ever solved any problem? And we talked last week, if we spend as much time praying as we do worrying or talking to God, just being in fellowship with him, we wouldn't be worrying. We'd know what his will is. So this is an important word for us 
Because if we're hearers only, we're not pleasing God, and we're not doing the word. If we just hear it, and we mentally assess it, and we understand it, well, that's, that's well and fine. But if we don't accept it, receive it, and do it, what good is it? It's not producing anything. Are you with me? Okay. So this is where we're going with this, and I'm going to break this down. I'm not going to give you the, the hoop-de-doo Greek word uh, interpretation definition of every single word in these three small verses. But I am going to point some things out that you may not have known before because I know I certainly didn't in a couple of cases because I've never done a deep word study on these three scriptures. But there is a lot in these three scriptures. Sounds kind of poetic in the King James Version. But I want to take, start with verse 20. Okay, are you with me? Stay with me. Because this is going to tell you how to be a doer of the word. It's going to point out what hinders us, what keeps us from being doers of the word. What keeps us being hearers only? It's going to show us what's going on, what has been going on, what might be going on, and how to solve the problem. Amen? Actually, it's not a problem. It's actually a sin. If we're just sitting around here hearing all the time, think we're getting smarter and we're not doing anything with what his word tells us to do. So, verse 20. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So the first word we're going to look at is wrath. Now we would all think wrath, anger, you know, whatever picture comes into our mind. That word in the Greek is orgy, and I don't mean the other kind. It's Greek. And it means, it's referring to a mental attitude. A mental attitude. So really, you could be here today. It's the sin of a mental attitude of anger, negativity. I don't like this. You could be sitting here today with your, your Sunday morning Christian look on your face and your outfit and everything and smiled and everything, but there might be a slow burn going on in there, in your mind, you know? And as soon as you walk out the door, it's, it's starting to manifest more. So mental attitude sins eventually, if unchecked and unrepented of, lead us to an action. Instead of doing the word of God, we're doing what this sinful mental attitude is. So if you start getting angry and you don't, check it pretty soon, your, your mouth becomes involved, right? That's usually the first thing that goes, right? And, and there's verses uh, in the rest of this chapter talking about your mouth and your tongue. But for today, we're studying this. So the mental attitude of anger, some of the most destructive sins in the Bible are really dealing with mental attitudes. Come on. Bitterness and forgive, you know, not forgiving someone. How about jealousy? 
Do you know what I mean? That's just a rage in your mind. It's a mental attitude, and they're sins. They're things that hold us back. And um, so what I'm saying is when you are having mental attitudes like this, you're not fellowshipping with God. You're not in fellowship. Do you follow me? You're not fellowshipping with God. You're not talking to him or you're not praying about the situation or saying, God, help me. You're, you're just, you're in a burn or you're, in a, you're on a roll of this mental attitude. You know, somebody just got a new truck and you wanted one and you've been saving and then something happened in your family. You had to give them all the money that you'd saved up for the new truck. And now so-and-so gets a new truck every year and he's got another one and he's coming in and showing it to everybody and you're angry, and you're upset, and now you're jealous. And every time you see him, you know what I'm saying? Come on, I'm talking about mental attitude sins that lead us to other doing other things. Okay, good. Now, it says the wrath of man. Now, you know, it, it could be anyone, right? There's several words in the Greek that describe man or mankind or men. Um, uh, Ladies, you're included here. (laughs) Do you follow what I mean? Because the connotation here of this word, it is aner, and it means a nobleman. It's not just your common man. This word here that was translated man, when I checked it out, I'd never seen this before. You know, I always thought of it as man, mankind, you know. Humans are poor condition. But it means noblemen. There's a distinction here. It's talking to believers. It's not talking to an unbeliever. It was a term they used once you became born again and part of God's family. Are you hearing me? It's not because of, uh, you know, you were a descendant from the Duke of Wellington of Patsapu. Okay? It has nothing to do with that. It, it, it has everything to do with you are now in the family of God. You were born again. You got saved. You became his child. You're part of his family. And so we recognize you as a believer and a child of God, and you are a noble man. You are a noble person. So we're not talking about somebody unsaved that has bad mental anger, mental attitudes. We're talking about Christians who are saved, who have been born again, who in originally they had fellowship with God, And somewhere along the line, everything was going good. You repented of your sins. You came into a relationship with God, and he forgot all about your sins because you asked him to forgive you and wash you clean. And he put them all in the sea of forgetfulness because of the blood of Jesus. And Jesus is your Savior. And now you're in fellowship with him and his family meaning Jesus, Father, the Holy Spirit. And then you walk along somewhere, you know, your old nature has passed away and you're walking in this new life and you're trying to figure it out. 
And somewhere along the line, because you're made of body, soul, and spirit, your flesh man does something or starts getting a carnal attitude, a mental attitude, a sin. Or you go back to your old ways. You might be looking at stuff on the Internet that you shouldn't be looking at. Whatever the sin is, because the mental attitude attitude that would lead you to any pornography on the Internet is just that. It started in your mind in a mental attitude that started inviting other spirits of lust and what have you. I, I don't know. I don't know what you did, but you sinned. And when we sin, what happens? We come out of fellowship with God. We kind of start to distance ourselves, don't we? So when we start disfellowshipping and we're not having fellowship, there's only one thing. What can restore that? Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. But for the wrath, for the mental attitude of a nobleman, a believer, you, worketh not the righteousness of God. What that means is the righteousness of God. Righteousness is right living. And when you start with these mental attitudes and you come out of fellowship, it doesn't mean you're going to hell. You still have eternal life. You're still a Christian. You still have identity. You're a nobleman. You're the child but something has just changed in your relationship. And when you're out of fellowship, you can't produce the righteousness, which is right living, which is divine good. It's divine will. It's, divine, it's God's works. You can't produce anything for the kingdom of God. You can't produce what God wants. He said, go forth and multiply. Go forth and bear fruit, right? You can't produce it's godly when you're out of fellowship with him. And so God is like waiting. Amen? So because of this situation, verse 21 says, Wherefore, because you're in this condition, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Let's just stop with that part of the verse. Lay apart. Wherefore? It should be translated like, because of your condition, you need to, this term lay lay apart means lay aside. Lay aside. A term that was used during this time in history was, Put off the filthy garments. Take off your filthy garments and set them over here. You just were washed in white. You know, you're wearing white, and suddenly one of these sins kind of made you look dirty, and you take the filthy garment off and you lay it aside. You get it off your body. You get it away from you. Okay? So we have to identify what that is, number one, 
And then we need to lay apart all the filthiness, which is filthiness, when I looked in the Greek, is pollution. It's, it's a good word. If we just had it, it would be something easier for us to understand. Because we do understand pollution, right? Uh, when Lonnie and I were recently in China, I mean, the air was so polluted, you, there were times they had to stop traffic because it was like fog, and they couldn't see. They had to wait for it to lift. That's how bad the pollution was in Shanghai on certain a uh, couple of times while we were there. But God isn't talking about air pollution or, main, uh, you know, Mount St. Helens, there's nothing we can do to stop the pollution that that volcano every day is pouring into the atmosphere compared to anything else going on in the world, that is some of the most pollution that's going into our atmosphere compared to what we're trying to fix, uh, you know. But that's another story. Pollution, what this is saying is whatever this mental attitude sin is, whether it's bitterness, whether it's jealousy, whether it's uh, lust, whether it's whatever, anger. In this case, we're talking wrath, anger. But it can be any of these mental attitudes. is polluting you. It is polluting your soul. These filthy garments, they're using this analogy, is polluting you. It stinks. Like, you don't want to wash and put on, like, uh, Judy's uh, dream. You had to leave things out. You've you got to take this out. You can't take this in here. You've got to get cleaned up. Well, you don't want to go take a shower and put on dirty clothes, do you? If you've been stinking to high heaven, you want to take a shower and put on some good smelling stuff when you're done. Put on some clean clothes. You want to get rid of that stuff. Here it talks about filthiness as pollution of your soul. And superfluity is overflow. It means you're overflowing, and, and it says naughtiness. The real word there, the translation is evil. So when you get these mental attitudes that bring you out of disfellowship with God, you are stinking, you've got dirty clothes on, you are polluted in your soul, in your heart, in your mind. It's starting to pollute who you are. And you're starting to act like what? The Bible calls it, remember, you're still a believer. You still have your salvation, but you are now acting like a carnal Christian. The Bible identifies it as a carnal Christian. Carnal means fleshly. You are body, soul, and spirit. And now you're polluted and you're just fleshing out everywhere. So the longer you stay out of disfellowship, things just keep, keep taking on more stink and more pollution. And you're coming to church and you're wearing the cover up clothes and putting on your church face, but you can be sitting right here in the place hearing the word that should help you change, but because your heart is polluted and you're out of fellowship, 
you are a hearer only. It goes in one ear, it goes out the next, the other, and you don't even remember what we talked about in about 24 hours because you're fleshing out. The Word can't change you if you're out of fellowship of God. And, and we're going to get to that in a moment. So it says, wherefore, lay aside those filthy, uh, lay aside all pollution and the overflow of it. Because the overflow doesn't just now affect your life, you're out there affecting other lives. Okay? It's like you've got a toilet that's up to the brim and running over. Right? Call the plumber. Call the plumber. And it says, so get rid of uh, your, your filthy garments, lay it aside, all filthiness, pollution, the overflow of evil that starts to happen, and receive. Receive. Pekia is that word. It is a great word. It is embrace. Kakia, there are other words for embracing something, but this is actually a word used in the Greek that has a connotation of lovers, and here we are finding ourselves just before Valentine's Day. If I want to go and my husband has something important to say to me, or you have something important to say to someone else, it's an intimacy receiving. It says receive. And there's another attitude here. It says with meekness. Embrace. So lay aside this other stuff and embrace, receive with meekness. We're talking about the sphere of meekness. And with this word translated is actually grace. It's an attitude. It's a mental attitude in the sphere of grace. Receive this in your mind with humility, meekness. Understand that grace has got to be working right now in your life in order for you to get back into fellowship. Are you hearing me? So the next part can happen. Do you like this? Are you enjoying this? We just breezed by these scriptures. I was so enlightened. I just never took the time. I thought I understood it. I thought I mentally understood what this was talking about. But it's so much deeper because it's talking about intimacy. It's talking about and receive with meekness the engrafted word. And when I tell you about engrafted word, what this means, it means intimately embrace it. It means hug it. We all know what a lover's embrace is. Well, most of us do. Do you understand? It's not like a pat you hug. Oh, hi, hi, how are you doing? It's an embrace of affection, intimate, receive. Embrace with grace the engrafted word. 
engrafted is an amazing word in the Greek. When you break it down, it means in, I-N, in, receiving it in, but grafted isn't really a good translation when I broke it down. Some versions say implanted. That's closer. But it really means impregnated. Again, we're talking intimacy. It's intimacy that impregnates a person. They have conceived, and in due time, they will produce or deliver or bring forth a child. This is what this scripture is talking about. So if you find yourself with mental attitudes that are sin, come on, you're a believer, you're born-again Christian, you've got salvation, you're going to heaven eternally, but you are a hearer only, which displeases God, and you find yourself disfellowship, and you're not getting anywhere. You come to church all the time. It goes in one ear and out the other, and you're off doing what you don't want to do, what you vowed not to do, and you keep on doing it, and you're really not doing the will of the Lord. You can do human good. I'm getting ahead of myself. The impregnated word. You see, when you're in fellowship with God and I come, if I'm in fellowship with God and I come to hear a word and I can't wait to hear it because I'm excited, I know it can come into me and the Holy Spirit can come over me while I'm hearing this word because I'm in fellowship with him and I've, I've been talking to him, I'm, I'm crying out, I, I want your word to change me this week. I'm looking for substance. Uh, 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 whatever you're going to bring this week, this is what I want. Come and do it. And the Holy Spirit is just like, oh, I'm going I'm to hover over Kathy. I'm going to overshadow her today. And, you know, he can be everywhere. So he can overshadow you and you and you and you and you. And when he overshadows, it's just like he overshadowed Mary. You remember? And it says the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. And she became pregnant. It's the same intimate concept. So the Holy Spirit overshadows me, and the word that is being, the seed, is being germinated, and it goes through my mind. I understand the word. He helps me understand it. Somebody's breaking it down for me. I'm understanding it. I'm in fellowship. I'm not out of fellowship. I'm, I'm repenting. I'm always saying, God, point it out. Discipline me if, I need, if I'm ignoring something. You know, I've got that relationship going, and now that seed comes in, I'm overshadowed, and something just got planted in my heart. And now I know it's going to bear fruit. I'm not going to be a hearer only. I know that word is coming into my heart. It is now past my mental stages of understanding it, and it is translated. My faith is pumped up. My faith is activated and I'm saying, yes, I accept that. Yes, I want that in my heart. Yes, I want to walk that out in my life. Amen? 
But if I'm not in fellowship, then I come in, it all looks good, I mentally assess it, I might understand it to a point, but it never takes root. The word is not conceived in my heart, and I continue to be a hearer only. We don't want that. We want the other good stuff, don't we? Now, it says, so you received this engrafted word. You've repented because repentance is confess your sins before men. We saw that happen in church before church even. It happened just as boom as we started today. Confess your sins. And we saw the restoration of that right here in this room, didn't we? Uh, God interrupted any plans that we had. We're going to pray for the service, and suddenly this picture, this story unfolds in front of us. Someone came up here, and in essence, they were saying, I've been out of fellowship with God, and I laid into you and I, with anger and wrath, and my soul was polluted, and it was overflowing with filthiness and evil, and I attacked you, and I don't want this to ever happen again. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. And then we heard the words of forgiveness. See, this, we saw, you saw a skit, if you will, that was born right out of heaven today because this word is so important for him to get to your heart. Be in fellowship. Don't commit those mental attitude sins that you hide. Some of you are very refined, and we hide it. But we're still raging, or we still got this stuff. We've got to get rid of it. The truth is we're not in fellowship with God as long as we keep it. Repent. All we have to do is say, God, forgive me. I, I get it. And if there's anything else I'm not seeing, point it out. And he will. Because if you continue to be out of fellowship, there's another scripture that says he chastens all the sons whom he loves. That means, and praise the Lord for that, because he's not going to let us ignore him, because he loves us, and he wants you to reap the blessings and the benefits of being a doer of the world. So it says, with meekness, the engraved word, which is able, which is able The Word of God is able. It's not how much you know it. If you get that in your heart and you don't even totally maybe get all the enlightenment from it, if that thing's growing in there, it's going to be kicking around. When a woman is pregnant, before you know, there's flutters and there's movement and that child is kicking. It wants to manifest and get out in this world. So that's the way it is with the Word when the seed becomes implanted in you, engrafted in you, and you are impregnated with this, this, the will of God, and it starts to grow, and you start to grow in grace, and you start to get more understanding of it, and you start walking in it. And before you know, you're doing that word, that very seed comes forth from you, and you're growing into maturity, and you're growing in your fellowship with God. And then you understand the first time that you experience that, you're like, I love to repent. Some people never want to say they're sorry. I don't even get that. 
I really don't. It's just been, it's something like, I always want to say I'm sorry. You know what I mean? It's rarely that Lonnie can get me to a place that I don't want to say. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. No, because I can't. I feel polluted. I feel sick. I feel bad. Life isn't good if I hold on to, to not forgiving somebody or, or, or I hold on to my rightness and not ask for forgiveness. That word able is dunamis. Some of you know what dunamis is. Able, God, you know, and the word is able. That just makes it so small. When you translate it dunamis, it's the dunamis power of God. It means dynamite. We get our English word dynamite from, from dunamis, this word, able. It can ex- it's explosive. It can blow up anything in your life that does not belong there. The engrafted word, if you let it get implanted in your heart, will destroy the anything else that doesn't belong there. It's powerful. And it says it's able to save your souls. This word save in this scripture isn't for salvation because you already have salvation as a believer. It's to save you. It's to grab you out of disfellowship in your soul where you're fleshing out in your flesh life and to bring you back into fellowship with God to save you and get you into fellowship with God. This is what it's talking about. Is this awesome? One. This is how important it is to stay in fellowship with God. Otherwise, you're just coming here, hearing something, and you might get it. You know, I don't know. You might take it and just use it for human good. And Isaiah told us that our righteousness is like filthy rags in front of God. Anything that we think is good is like filthy rags, and God doesn't accept it. So He only accepts His good that comes out of our life. And the only way you can produce it is to repent and walk in fellowship with him and let him impregnate you with the word of God and his will, and then you can produce good works. Otherwise, the word of God tells us our human good works are dead works. They don't have any life in them. They don't have the life of God in them. You guys all look so serious today. I'm excited got an answer you know many pastors I, I mean i i've met many leaders in my life and these people come in and they listen and everybody's saying amen and then i've got 14 hours of counseling the next week on the very thing i preached on it was as if they weren't even listening do you understand i mean pastors out and it's like what's wrong with these people I spent hours, I spent weeks, I, I prepared the word, I prayed, I got it on my hands and knees. And, you know, everybody's saying, yeah, yeah, we get it. And they came to the altar and everything. And then all hell breaks loose. It's because that mental hidden sin that you didn't deal with that has kept you out of true fellowship and the joy of the Lord. And you didn't get it. You got it for however long the word was. I'm not letting you out of here (laughs) until you get it today. And verse 22, our goal, 
Now we know how to get here. It says, and be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. We just told you what could cause being a hearer only. Deceiving your own selves. Kids, somebody can deceive you, and that's bad. Does anybody like it when somebody really deceived you about something? No. We don't like that. And we could deceive someone. Yeah, we could deceive someone. But this last few words of this is you deceiving yourself. That is some pretty scary stuff. So do we want to be deceived? No. But then we could very well deceive ourselves if we think we can get by with this. Do you understand? You're not getting by with anything. You're deceiving yourself and depriving yourself of the fullness of the blessings and the manifestation of the kingdom of God coming forth and bearing fruit. Peace, joy, love, the fruit of the Spirit that you would truly have and all the other things that are the fruit of the Spirit of God. You can't manifest them. You can't really do them because these other things hinder you. But now we have the key. Now we know what to do. Don't we? We know what to do. When we start getting these mental attitude sins, and that's where they start, we start thinking about it, if you think about it long enough. The Word of God says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You'll be off doing it. You're, it's not like you weren't saved and born again and you got a new nature. It's just that your flesh, when you sinned, your flesh is like, whoa, went for the flesh. Let's go for two for the flesh. Let's go for three. Let's go for four. The roof didn't cave in. I didn't get struck by lightning. Hmm, let's go for five. Right? I got away with that. You didn't get away with anything. You just did what? You deceived yourself. You follow me? God has this beautiful way. He loves you so much. That's why it's a simple thing. It's really simple. Go to God and say, God, <laughs> I messed up here. I really did, and I'm getting this thing, and I haven't been in fellowship with you like I want to be. And I want to be a doer, not a hearer only. Amen? I want the mental attitude. What's the mental attitude of a doer? Let's, uh, I wrote a few things down. This is not exhaustive. I, I'm going to take this further and really write something out, but I hear some of my thoughts. I want you pregnant with the word today. I want you to never forget this. It isn't rocket science. He made it simple so you can understand it. If we sin or we catch ourselves, and I've already prayed for you that the Holy Spirit would come and convict you of it quickly. Even if you've been doing it a long time and your conscience is seared and you don't even know you're sinning because you're so used to doing it, I, I, I ask for forgiveness for you. 
I prayed for you. I said, Lord, they might have a feared conscience, but I want you to be gracious and merciful and let them feel the conviction of your spirit again like they did when they first came into that relationship with you. And they wouldn't want to do anything. Their hearts were tender with you. Father, convict them and give them that opportunity. Give them that opportunity to say, oh, I don't want to be out of fellowship with you, Lord. I I see that was totally wrong, and I am so sorry for my participation, for what I did, or what I thought. You see, it doesn't have to be the action. That's the fruit of if you've been letting the mental attitude stay a while. You understand? And you stay in precious fellowship. And you understand that it's only by the grace of God. You're humble because you know you can't do this on your own. He's designed it that you're to walk together in the grace, his grace and his mercy. And then you get it cleaned up and then you start to embrace the word and you love it. And the love for the word comes back. Because it's been a while. It's been a while. You know, you put on a good front. You, can't, you, you know, you, you made three Sundays out of four that month, you know. Come on. And now the pollution's gone. And you're clean. And now you can produce works of God. Works of righteousness. Because the word that you laid hold of today blew up. It enabled you with the power of dynamite to destroy any hold that the enemy has had on you. Come on. That's how powerful the word is. It's able to save you from where you were and bring you back to where God wants you. Do you love this? And then you're producing. Because when we're bearing fruit, we're happy. When we're doing what God wants, we're happy. We couldn't be happier. When we're blessing people, we're happy. When we're loving, we're doing and using and joy and peace and all the good things that start manifesting in our life, we're happy. And the abundance flows. Instead of the pollution overflowing, it's all the things and the attributes and the blessings and the favor of God is overflowing in your life. It's that simple. It's that simple. So this is, being a doer of the word goes like this. I I just, this is what I wrote to myself. Remain in fellowship with God. One, have Intimate fellowship with God and his word. By living a life of repentance, of sin, and mental attitude sins. Laying aside the filthy garments, the pollution of your soul, and the overflow of evil that's come upon you. Receive, embracing the word of God intimately with meekness, with a hard attitude of meekness, 
and recognizing the authority of God's word in your life. And the sphere or the manifestation of God's grace upon you. The overshadowing of the Holy Spirit to cause the impregnated word, the engrafted word, to be conceived in your spirit that renews your mind and activates your faith because you've now made a decision and determined to do it. The word which is able by the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit to save your soul from being out of fellowship with God. And it delivers you. There's a delivery. You will no longer be a hearer only, deceiving yourself, but a doer of the word, producing divine good, producing divine works, good works in the sight of God, not dead works anymore. You will be producing the fruit of the Spirit. You are a doer of the Word, and you are being led by the Spirit of God and growing in God's grace. You are maturing as true sons of God. For the word of God says, those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. That is you, if you're a believer. This is the promise. This is your promise. This is for you. So I pray for you right now. Let's stand Let's stand here. God, you've been touching our hearts. You've been talking to us this morning. You've come to embrace us. You've come to help us do what you want us to do from today onward. So as each person has has had this time with you and you've fingered some things, I'm leaving that up to them to deal with on their own. Listen, you don't have to deal with this in church. If you're out of fellowship or something happens along the way, you don't wait till you get to church to deal with it. Deal with it anywhere. Deal with it at home, uh, at work. Deal with it in your car. You can repent anywhere. You can talk to God anywhere. He's always there for you waiting with open arms. He loves you so much. And he wants you to have the best. Amen? You're his children. Father, release this word. And may it find the proper soil. And may it take root and deep root in each one of us today in a way we've not known before. And may we walk this out together, heirs, Heirs together in the grace of God. Amen.
as we close here, if you need prayer after, I'll be happy to pray with you. But last week, I talked to you about God's promises. If you don't know what God's promises are, how can you trust God? You have to know what he says. Remember, I opened one up, I brought my little leather bound, and I told you that you could probably find one somewhere at Walmart or whatever. Well, Pastor and I happened to be out this week, and we weren't in Walmart, but we were somewhere, and I go, oh, look, there's those books. And I told you that many of you have met the man that wrote these way back in the 70s. His name is Dr. A.L. Gill. A.L. and Joyce have been here. They they say they're mom and pop here to uh, our ministry, and he's still going all over the world. And these happen to be copies with his name in the front of the book. I wasn't kidding when I told you that. Um, And so who wanted one of these? Who wanted a promise book? I'm here. These are great. Boy, you you just, you'll find out. It's topical. You read it. Here's one for you, Jeanette. And uh, Belinda and Val. Yeah. Anybody else want one? Anybody else want one? I've got more where that came from. Here you go, Nancy. 